Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John, and joining me as always is the Tom Brady of Warhammer 40K, Nick Nanavati. We're here to talk with John Lennon about a new list for the new 9th edition with the new fact that just came out. Um, as always, this will be part one, and we are experimenting with a new format. So this is more of a, you might think about it as us being in the dojo. So there may be more discussion around list design, what the list is trying to accomplish, and some back and forth on maybe some suggestions and that kind of things. And we would love to hear your feedback and what you think about our format, uh, because we're, we're actually trying to struggle a little bit, trying to figure out what we want to do until events become more commonplace once that vaccine gets rolled out and COVID gets shown the door and we get back to rolling dice, kicking butt and taking names. Uh, all right, Nick, why don't you go ahead, introduce John, who doesn't really need an introduction, being that he finished third in the ITC last year, I think. But uh, go ahead and do it. And let's get started talking about the new ninth edition. Yeah, sure thing. So John over here is, as you said, third in ITC, best base Marines. He's also one of our Art of War coaches. He's You can catch him all the time on our YouTube channel, AOW40K, our Twitch channel, or in the war room teaching various classes. He's uh, kind of making a name for himself as a, quite the White Scars aficionado out there. But today we're here to talk about one of his crazy ideas on a mixture between Guard and Sisters. John, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on. As always, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I certainly love playing my Space Marines. I uh, had quite a bit of success with them last year and uh, for what there was of this season. But uh, I really just like the Imperium in general. Uh, after quite a while with Xenos, not really feeling chaos, I just kind of want to do all of the Imperium armies. So I'm really diving into Sisters and Guard as an ally here. Uh, I think that Guard are a much stronger army than most people give credit for, and that's frankly where this all started. But uh, they do need a little bit of help, and that's why we have Sisters Battle. All right, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So obviously there was a new fact that dropped, right? And a lot of things changed. So do you guys want to just briefly talk about how like from a general sense or an overall sense for a newer player, how does it affect list design? Like what are, what are some new things that we have to consider? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of take this on a more general scale and John, you can talk about it for your specific army. So a lot of different things changed at once. Um, but for, from a list design perspective, things that you really want to focus on are things like while we stand, we fight and bring it down. And to a lesser extent aboard the witch, just because there aren't that many psycher armies out there. But to bring it down change really allows you to take a lot more vehicles and uh, the uh, while we see me fight change allows you to or it kind of forces you to not design an army that's like a brick castle with expensive characters standing behind it and saying basically you have to table me to get these points otherwise i score 15. now you have to be a lot more careful with what kind of units and, and point thresholds you're using otherwise units you don't really want to be bring it down. Will or uh, while we stands will be while we stands. You could still play towards it though. Like you could take large, expensive units and combat squad them. And part of it is part of the new while we stand is that you have to kill every part of a combat squad or a split up unit to actually rob the opponent of the five points. So that's a great secondary uh, still, along with bring it down, which just changed to a lot more vehicles. Uh, you still want to make plays for going second because you fifty percent time now. You don't know what you're going to get. But 
I overall, I think that's the two big changes. What do you think, John? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the secondary changes are great, um, and they're definitely going to play a part in this army, as you'll find out. But what I think I'm kind of most looking at here is just that first turn is now a pure 50-50 coin flip. Uh, a lot of the armies that I've played previously, especially, you know, for the past couple months of this edition, have des been designed to go second, where I know 99% of the time, if I win that roll-off, I'm just going to choose to go second. And any random opponent that I choose, honestly, they're going to pick to go first, you know, about half the time anyway, because they may not have, you know, the full breadth of the game plan that I have. So I would end up going second about 75% of the time if I actually wanted to. Uh, this is designed purely for 50-50 going first. There's plenty of guns in this army. And um, I did, of course, have to update things for the, um, you know, for the points changes. But also, if you go second, which 50% of the time, again, you do want to have just a couple of units ready to go out, make a fast reposition to grab primary, because just moving on to something and grabbing an objective at the end is very impactful. So I, you know, move, move, move guardsmen can absolutely do that as well. Uh, those are kind of the elements I was looking at. I wanted a few fast obsec units. I think that's, you know, a great add to keep in any list, just for every faction. And then I want to actually have firepower to try to make an army that will actually go first 50% of the time. So let's let's talk about that for a second. Maybe break it down for newer players. The reason why having guns and having some firepower uh, when you go first is it allows you to punish your opponent who doesn't hide his army well or doesn't have a way to hide his army. So if they have a lot of ginormous things that they can't hide, for example, um, <clears throat> going first, obviously if you, you can reach out and touch them, then you can gain an advantage by sort of getting an attritional advantage, right? As opposed to uh, having maybe an initiative advantage. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's plenty of guns from all directions in this list, uh, which, you know, I'm sure we'll, uh, I'll break down all the shooting in this list when um, we actually talk about it. But um, that, that is definitely part of the philosophy is be able to interact with my opponent, punish them wherever they are. Well, I still, I think we want this podcast, and again, everyone listening, we're still new at this format. Um, the idea with this is we want to kind of follow along with you on the journey you went on to create this list. So instead of just starting at the beginning with what the list is like we used to do, uh, let's focus more on, I guess, the first question is, what are the premise? what is the premise of your list? What is it trying to do? How did you start with it? Okay, so the premise of the list was I wanted to get as many just pure, raw, efficient units in a list as I could where there are plenty of units in this game where it's a decent unit, and then if you put a character nearby, and then maybe you have a couple stratagems on it, and you put you know all these buffs on it, then it becomes a great unit. I wanted mathematically a lot of very good units, and a lot of little stuff to spread the field, and most specifically, I wanted to beat Space Marines. Um, I started this list concept, um, actually before the FAQ, I played a couple games before this FAQ as well, where I was really looking at it from the perspective of, I'm doing great with my White Scars. White Scars are awesome, but nothing lasts forever and people will build a counter me. I might as well get ahead of the trend. People will also copy me. Let me build a list that's designed to beat White Scars, other Space Marines. Like th this is just an Imperium army that's designed to dump on other on Space Marines without using any Space Marines themselves. And I started picking up a couple of different key efficient units that I thought were very good for the points. And any buffs that they had were just very easy to get, were very efficient, or were kind of like built in where it's like a pregame upgrade that you do and it just takes it with them, or it's a 1CP stratagem that doesn't require a character nearby, all things like that. All right, I've got, I've got to slow you down and ask you a few questions around this conceptually, because I think this would help people with the thought process. But when you say you wanted the list to beat Space Marines, what are you trying to accomplish in the game? What things jump out at you? Like, what do Space Marines struggle with? What are you, what, what's the overall strategy you know, what are you building your list to do in order to beat Space Marines? I'm kind of curious. 
All right, so let me start at the top here. Um, one of those very efficient units that doesn't really need any buffs to be next to it is the Imperial Guard Manticore. So the Imperial Guard Manticore is Strength 10, AP 2, Indirect Fire, the best part, and with the full payload upgrade is flat 3 damage. 2d6 shots can reroll the dice for, or one of the dice for the number of shots. Very, very efficient platform for killing, in, you know, Space Marine Infantry. And Particularly those 3 wound infantry, right? Particularly <laughs> toughness 5, 3 wound infantry. Yeah, the Strength 10, flat 3 damage really, really makes a difference there. Um, so what I was looking at was with my Space Marines, I always beat people by hiding and denying them turns while I was still scoring points. And then we would basically only play three real turns of the game where we're both interacting with each other. And over those three turns, I could afford to, you know, just be very aggressive, be sacrificial. Everything's obsec. I'm contesting all of these points, getting all these kills. I end up tabled by the end of it because I'm so aggressive. And then we're out of time. The five turns are up because for the first two turns, neither of us did anything. And then I have a captain on an objective in the back corner and I won by 30 points. And that, that was what always happened. And I see this happen to people and they never did anything about it. It was, they never could do anything about it. They never, I very rarely played against armies with the kind of indirect fire or other threats that would make me alter that game plan. And when I did, I, I would try to deal with it as best I could, but I immediately wanted to start with something to make Space Marines accelerate the game plan. I don't want to go up against Space Marines, have a bunch of direct fire guns and short range close combat units and just sit there for two turns while we wait for them to get into the optimal doctrine, and then they come jump on me and beat me to crap. I'm, I'm not in the mood for that. I uh, love having Manticores to absolutely force the issue, do some damage while we wait, was very important. So I love the plan here. Basically, you assess the problem, which is Space Marines. You figured out what Space Marine armies try to do, which is be tough behind a wall in the middle of the board and then just board control you from there. And you're like, well, if I shoot them with Manticores, the wall doesn't stop me, and Manticores are actually really good at killing Space Marines. So that makes sense. Which I guess brings us into the next part. Well, hold on. Which is, yeah. Before, before you go there, <clears throat> the other thing that's kind of nice about Manticores is it's not easy for Space Marines to get to them either, right? They don't have a lot of ways to pick them out. They don't have indirect fire. So if you have a place to hide them in a corner, they've got plenty of range to get all and over the A table. lot of Space Marine armies aren't even running like LAS cannons and stuff anymore because all the weapons and vehicles that took those long-range death cannon things, like the uh, Repulsor Executioners and whatnot, they're not core. So you're just not interested in taking them anymore. And that's just not how Ninth Edition plays. So Mandacore's indirect fire right now is super powerful. And especially there aren't a lot of indirect fire platforms right now that are particularly long-ranged. Um, you have the Admech tanks and Hive Guard, and then um, like something like you know Astrolame on Grey Knights. All of those are like, you know, thirty six inches at most in range. A Manticore, I'd have to go check. I think it's one hundred and twenty inches. Might I think be that's more. Right. It, um, I've never ch had to check range of the Manticore, and that's what I know. On the shorter tables, and when the space Marine players do want to run into the middle of the board, as as they do to, behind whatever center line of sight blockers there are. They put themselves in 36 inch range, no problem. So, why not go for? I mean, Hiveguard are obviously a different army, but Hiveguard or Scorpius Disintegrators and Imperium. Uh, it's all about the efficiency. Um, I mean, Scorpius Disintegrators are good, but there are other elements that Guard bring that I want to do. Uh, frankly, the price is right. And also, this is just a much better profile for killing Marines. Um, I just frankly don't trust AP1 because AP1. A Marine grabs a cover save, holds a Storm Shield. Suddenly, they're taking two up saves. Um, AP2 on a Manticore, I, I, you know, if you're shooting a Marine in cover, yes, they're still getting a pretty good save, but it's not a two up save. And that, frankly, does make a big, big difference. Also, flat two damage versus flat three 
Uh, even though, you know, the Scorpius is good shots, it probably gets a little more hits a turn. Um, I'll take Strength 10 versus Strength 6 because the Manticore also fulfills an, uh, another role of anti-tank. A lot of people put Rhinos full of nasty things out of line of sight. And like a Rhino full of Repentia or Retributors, you know, whatever the heck Sisters of Battle are doing. Uh, Death Guard like to do this, and yeah, I'm sure Death Guard are coming up soon too. And again, with Death Guard on the horizon, I wanted a little bit of not damage too, because minus one damage is real, and Manticores will pick up a two-wound Plague Marine that's minus one damage relatively easily. That makes sense. I like it. So uh, one thing that I am a little bit concerned with Manticores, though, is that they don't really get rerolls, and they hit on fours base, so if someone's tagging a forest or has a special rule, it'll be fives. So is that something that just you'd live with? Honestly, yes. Um, it there's Because of the range, I almost always have the choice to shoot a thing that's not in a forest. And what I found is that units in forests are usually not units behind ruins. And I have plenty of direct line of sight shooting in this list as well. So I, unless a unit has an innate negative to hit, I usually have a target that's going to not involve me taking negatives. As well, Manticores do actually have a 1 CP stratagem for plus 1 to hit if they do have line of sight. And I've found that in many matchups with 120 inch range, I can just backline a Manticore nowhere near a building and just rely on my range to keep me safe while I go around getting line of sight to things and just popping off 1 CP plus 1 to hit. All right, so let's start building this list out from here. We're going to take Manticores because Manticores with full payload mess up Space Marines. Now, if we're going to take Manticores, we're playing cards, so we're probably going to take infantry squads, I imagine. What's your infantry squad's plan? Absolutely. So to, just to start this one off, to get full payload on two Manticores, you need the Warlord to be Astro Militarum. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. The Warlord has to be Astro Militarum. At that point, you want him to be in a battalion or a patrol. We're going to go battalion here because guard stuff is cheap as chips. Um, so we've got the battalion, um, I've got two infantry squads and a scion squad. This is actually a change from the FAQ, uh, they made infantry cost more while scion stayed the same, so I, I dropped one unit into a scion squad, just to have a little extra deep strike, uh, that'll help with secondaries later. Um, two, uh, actually three company commanders, and, um, then we go into the elite slot. So this is the second part of teching to beat space marines. Uh, again, I look at vanguard veterans as absolute monsters, um, you know, the Space Marines are just a durable profile. Uh, toughness 4, 2 wounds. Best thing to kill that is Strength 8, 2 damage. Uh, I spammed Plasma out the absolute, absolute butt. Um, so to start this off, we've got the three company commanders. Those unlock each one command squad. So I have three command squads, each loaded up with four Plasma Guns. Um, so each command squad with four Plasma Guns, there are four Guardsmen that are Ballistic Skill 3. They're four company veterans, essentially. And... Um, that's going to be 65 points total, and that's going to bring you 8 plasma shots. So 8 shots, strength 8, AP 3, damage 2. You can overcharge all the time because you're a guardsman and you don't care. And you're just getting a lot of quality firepower for 65 points. Like, that's going to hit harder than, <clears throat> honestly, almost any other 65-point unit in the game. So 3 of those, as well as 2 units of um, special weapon teams, which is, again, 6 guardsmen, only ballistic skill 4, but you toss three more plasma guns on there, it's 49 points. You get six more plasma shots for these units. Again, you can overcharge, no problem. Um, just dumping little cheap units that can outflank all over the place. Uh, they're very low power level. You can outflank this whole package for a very inexpensive amount. And again, you know what we're especially looking at here is I want to have units all over the place. I wanted to have lots of options for killing space marines. And adding, you know, just these, you know, in the elite slots alone, I've got... Uh, 18 plasma guns for less, I think, less than 300 points. 
I'll take, you know, about 36 plasma good shots for less than 300 points. Yeah, that's a lot of firepower for the points. Now, a lot of people go for scions because they have real deep strike and better special rules and better last guns and armor and things like that. Um, and real deep strike versus up flank, which I guess is a real big seller here for the kind of burst damage you want. You want it as deliverable as possible. You're all right just saving all these points, essentially getting more plasma guns for the points, even if they can't be delivered as well. Absolutely. So what it kind of came down to here is um, a, a couple of rules that I'm really taking advantage of. And one of those is the fact that um, I'm going with a custom regiment. So I mentioned those manticores can reroll a number of shot. That's uh, one of the custom regiment benefits is that any vehicle can reroll a dice when shooting a random shot weapon. So that's great for manticores. You want to have a high shot count. Uh, the second thing I've done is that I have taken the, um, oh, whatever it's called. I have uh, taken another one, uh, Disciplined Shooters, that gives all rapid fire weapons double shots at 18 inches instead of 12. So while yes, the Scions are good and they're good ballistic skill and they can deep strike for free, um, these units are all very low power level, so it's easy to outflank them. Um, all of those units are power level 2. The command squads and the special weapon teams are, plasma, are uh, power level 2. Um, so, you know, all five of them is just 10 power level. And then um, with 18-inch range and rapid fire, the, the points difference is definitely enough to justify that. Um, you know, to get 36 plasma shots in Scions, you know, that would probably cost me more than 400 points. Whereas this, which is, you know, significantly less points, less than 300 points, is probably still more shots, and it's much easier to get rapid fire range because you can't just throw out a screen of guardsmen, you know, three inches in front of your heavy hitters, and then nothing rapid fires you. Or infiltrators, you know, like you can just put infiltrators down and a scion will never rapid fire you, done, easy. Um, this is not going to have that problem. The extra six inches of range on rapid fire range more than makes up for, in my experience, the disadvantages of outflank versus deep strike because it's one extra command point, essentially, to just toss an extra 10 power level in if you're already outflanking something, which with the sister's attachment, I frankly will be. Yeah, and it's already... Um... The the it's already not that hard to screen at twelve inch rapid fire. So the eighteen inch, even from deep strike, like just put something you care about three inches behind the screen. And even if they do deep strike and shoot something, it's not the thing you wanted to shoot. With eighteen, it's just harder in general to defend against that. So it makes perfect sense to me. And back to the overall list, though, we got manicores, we got outflanking plasma guns. We there's no army here. These are just good units. Now I know the premise list is also we're just going to take the points efficient units, but how do these things synergize together and become an army? What's the next step? So the next step is um just kind of the core problem with guard, which is that they're very good at shooting you. Uh, frankly, guard never stopped being a good shooting army. The cap to negative modifiers just made them great. Um, what it comes down to is that people are able to push into you, and you really need counterpunch. And again, uh, frankly, you know. There isn't a single core to this list, but the Sisters Detachment, which is going to end up being a spearhead, does put a little bit more of a core to it. Um, well, so, I mean, without even revealing that there is a Sisters Detachment, but I don't know what this book means. The thing here is you want there to be a core to the Detachment, the army, right? Or, is it, or do you find that there is no core? Like, I frankly think it's fine that there is no core. Um, there is no single unit in this army where I'm like, if I lose it, then I'm just I'm just done. You know, that's not a that's not a thing in this army. Um, there are so many instances where you end up trading units in ninth edition where your opponent moves on to an objective, you send something out to kill it. Your opponent comes and kills you, you send something out to kill that. And so back, so forth. You move 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 units onto objectives, they come charge and kill them, park on the objective, you send a melee unit to kill that. 
etc. I have gone full into trading where I have so many different layers of resources to trade because there isn't a single core in this army. All of these cheap units. I mean, this guard attachment alone, we're looking at, you know, the, the three company commanders, the five special weapon, you know, five special weapon caddies, the manticores, the three infantry units, like the, the unit count in this list is insane. And yes, bring it down as a thing, but at the end of the day, I have indirect fire and they don't. So there can be a couple of turns where there's just nothing in line of sight and they just don't get kills while I get something. Okay. So, so basically, you're just going to round out the guard attachment, make it a battalion, three units of troops, and call it a day. That was going to be one of my questions also. Yep. Yeah, just two units of infantry, one scion squad. And then um, uh, in that elite slot, there is actually a Ministorm Priest, which is the, um, the guard equivalent of the sister's uh, preacher. Uh, just a six-inch aura of plus one attack for the uh, Militarum and a Ministorm units. Uh, that rounds out the guard attachment. And uh, as you've noticed, there isn't a single core to this list at all. No. And I see you're also avoiding things like tank commanders, which I know a lot of people are all about tank commanders. Why just avoiding them altogether? Um, I just didn't want to have a single dedicated unit that I thought was too important or that could effectively get killed. Um, tank commanders do need line of sight. Um, and if I'm in a shooting range with another shooting army, I want to hinge on I have better indirect fire than you. And then all of my anti-tank is not vulnerable to anti-tank. And it can pop out, get its value, and then be disposable. Whereas a tank commander, as good as they are, probably doesn't pop out and do all of its da damage worth its points in one turn. A tank commander wants to shoot at least two or three times before you get the true value out of it. So, are, so is one of the design elements for your list? And tell, correct me if I if I don't if I'm not getting this right. But what it appears to me is because you're peace trading and you know that you're going to be peace trading, basically. You're getting the biggest guns on the cheapest body because you don't care. They, like you're going to fire them once, fire and forget, and then they're they're almost always going to trade up because they're they're inexpensive and efficient, and it still takes an effort to kill them, even if it's a minor effort. Like your opponent still has to kill them, and you're just assuming they're going to die anyway. So you've sort of designed your list as a like a one shot per per item kind of Absolutely. thing, right? And I've got and enough if, items in the list in this list to keep doing that turn after turn after turn, and I've got various scales of hammer with a little bit of chip damage from the indirect fire. Um, so like I've got like small hammer pieces where my opponent puts out a tactical squad on an objective. I can commit these special weapon teams with plasma guns that are less than 50 points per unit to go take care of that. If my opponent commits, you know, big things, I trust me, there are bigger guns coming to deal with that. And the whole time there's going to be flat damage, three strength, 10 indirect raining on their heads. So the, that I guess gets to the, the one of the cruxes of my questions was like the tank commanders you obviously have the manticores which are not fire once and forget them which is all your other rest of this card attachments fire and forget the manticores or fire four times um the if you went talar and lehman russes they would be able to move shoot move um to allow them to keep on firing much like the manticores now i guess the the lehman russes here have more quality firepower i'd say they're not flat damage three um, I guess they could be, but Demolishers could be D6 damage, which is pretty strong, better AP, nicer range, better ballistic skill. The only thing that's holding them back, though, is the indirect fire. Is that the selling point for you? Absolutely. Um, I wanted units that were able to hit the enemy without being responded to. You know, the, the whole thing is that whatever I hit my opponent with, they're not responding efficiently. Either I hit them with something that's so trash and cheap that if it goes out there and kills, you know, if, if a command squad goes out there and kills five intercessors and then gets killed back, I just won that trade war by 35 points. And, you know, a tank commander, yes, sometimes it can go out there, fire and hop back and be safe. It's a little bit harder to do that. 
Um, and then that, that kind of takes up the real estate of where it can go to be out of line of sight. The Manticore is a lot more flexible in that aspect because it can go anywhere and shoot anything rather than having to you know be tied to a specific terrain piece, etc. Yeah, and that's also a fair point. It's it's almost synergistic, like the Manticore raining death on the guy's enemy behind the wall, enemy behind hiding behind wall, kind of forces their hand to come out and play with you so they don't get Manticore off the table, which means all your plasma guns and direct line of shooting now, now has line of sight. I mean, they they can slow down the game still, but but then John is just taking his free damage. Because, I mean, Manticores do damage, but they don't do that much damage, right? But it's it's enough where like two turns of shooting now your opponent's going to play a game with you and maybe you only reduce their army by 10 or 15% but now they've got to play with 85% of their army against 100% of your army if they but were I, hiding. I mean, that's that'll make sense if it's like against some armies yeah they know not every army can handle manticore shooting them but some armies can so what's stopping something say like four wound custodies army or just a horde of dudes that don't care about plasma guns and manticores just existing at you I guess that's what the rest of the list is for, but that's, that's the question, I guess. For. So far, yeah. we're less than 1,000 points. All of right. this, this whole guard attachment I just described to you is less than 900 points. Mm -hmm. But uh, This is more about the process of how these top lists are built. So you, we are going through the motions of asking the questions, all right, what if this problem occurs? So what if someone can just sit there and tank man course to the face over and over behind a wall? Um, frankly, if they're able to do that, I'm kind of comfortable with the fact that I can move cheap units out and... I, again, because I have so many very cheap units in this list, I can put cheap units on objectives and wait for them to make the first move. And when they do, they'll kill those units, but those aren't valuable units that I care about losing. That, that's what it comes down to. So where, you know, if I move, move, move an infantry squad onto an objective in the middle of nowhere, yes, these, you know, these units like the Ignore AP, you know, Custodius Terminators can just sit there and wait. And I probably won't do that much damage to them. They'll spend a command point a turn and they'll be fine. Uh, Maybe I'm not doing the best job asking this question. I'm trying. I'm trying to be like, instead of you telling me all the reasons, the next unit you tell me why it's good. Like I know there's mortifiers in the list. Yeah. Don't tell me why mortifiers are good. Tell me why mortifiers are good in your list. I guess. Okay. Just what's the next sister's detachment? Absolutely. So the biggest feature of the um, Bloody Rose Spearhead that's coming up is going to be the nine mortifiers, the three units of three. Um, they're there because they put out a very healthy amount of heavy bolter fire. And they're fantastic into hordes, and they're a great deterrent for people coming near me. Where mortifiers are absolutely filling that mid-range role of if you get within about, you know, 15 to 20 inches of me, you're in very much in charge range of mortifiers. And until that point, they add heavy weapon fire to the game. Where each mortifier unit puts out 18 heavy bolter shots, you get 54 from uh, the three units. Um, that's going to add up with the damage too. It's just designed to provide more blistering firepower, more reasons for people to not poke their head out while all the little stuff is moving around the table. And then it is good weight of attacks that provides a very different damage profile to some of the other guns I've got. So if people are able to tank, you know, plasma guns and manticores because it's, you know, 200 orc boys, well, manticores provide a different damage profile that is still a lot of dice and very efficient to try to deal with another threat. Okay, so mortifiers basically complement this, and I guess this is what I was getting at. It's like someone hiding behind a wall or sitting there with 200 guys, you know, or I guess someone sitting there with 200 guys to just tank manacores and plasma guns, that's where mortifiers come in. Makes perfect sense. And you also said that it deters people from coming to you. What's that about? So, I, you know, I have the manticores. I 
don't really want people to come touch the manticores. That's one of the, you know, one of the traditional weaknesses of guard. They have good shooting, but if people get up into them, start tagging things, tying up all these units, taking my objectives away from me, I start to suffer. Um, mortifiers are there to come beat someone down if they come near me, where if someone starts sending little Vanguard veteran missiles towards me, I don't have to shoot that. I can leave that in front of me, shoot the things behind it, and then go charge it with mortifiers and just scrape it off my boot. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Um, just having, you know, and there, there is more, you know, there are more melee units in this list as well to accomplish the same purpose. Um, well, I mean, you can't have sisters without a repentia unit or uh, two units of repentia, of course. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's literally in the in the core rules, right? Like, mm-hmm. thou shalt Absolutely. take repentia. Yeah. Thou, thou shalt take two units of repentia, bloody rose, or or more, <laughs> or, or more. <laughs> so, is that just two units of repentia walking around afoot? Do you buy them rhinos? Do I do have them? a rhino as well. I have one mm-hmm. rhino in there. Um, kind of the logic is that um, if I want to outflank a repentia unit, all five special weapon uh, dudes and a company commander, I can do all of that for 2CP. Okay, so you pre-plan that for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Do you typically imagine yourself or plan to uh, flank one and deploy the Rhino? Or is it like, uh, oftentimes I'll just deploy both and kind of use the Rhino as a little taxi cab? Oftentimes I think I'll deploy both. Um, it depends on kind of the superiority of indirect fire. If my opponent has indirect fire, I genuinely might consider not doing that. Um but yeah, as long as they, died, just anything, yeah, like really. yeah. But if they have absolutely no indirect fire, something like Space Marines, I may front load a unit in a Rhino against the wall and then have a second repentance unit about 10 inches behind the Rhino so that I can just run and get in once the first one leaves. That's kind of the plan. Um, but, you know, I, in the max scenario where I'm spending the two CP to outflank, I want to be able to fit, you know, all of those units I just described, which again is two CP to reserve seven units have all of that work mm-hmm. once. That's that's really dumb, actually. <laughs> and I mean that in the most complimentary way that I can say it. But yeah, that's yeah. So let's just recap real quick. We got three company commanders, three units of troop people and guard, uh, mm-hmm. six units of plasma gun people. Only five units of plasma. There is a priest in the sixth elite slot. Ah, that makes sense. The sixth elite slot. <laughs> I like that. Um a pyramid, of course, and then over in Sisters. What, what's our HQ for this smashed attachment? Oh, just a, just a Canonus. Uh, she's loaded up with the Miracle Vice Generation relics. Uh, and mm, World okay. Plus so not, not a smash Canonus or anything No, like she's not particularly punchy. Well, why do you why, why the Miracle Dice manipulation stuff? You don't really do Miracle Dice in this army. I don't do many Miracle Dice, but um, I do have repent units, and I really just don't like failing charges. Um, I don't need many because um, I'm not using many Miracle Dice units here. But I just want to make sure that if a Repentia unit has to make a charge, that Repentia unit will make a charge. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely big. Um, okay, uh, any preachers in there? Uh, no, just the Ministorum Priest and the Guard Attachment, which will affect the Repentia still. Oh, okay, so yep. you still have a priest somewhere. Yeah, all Why not move that priest over to the Sisters and then free up that six elite slot? Uh, because this is a spearhead and there's already two repentance squads. So I'm, Oh, out. right. You only have two and they're taken. That yeah. Makes sense. And the, the guard version is cheaper than the sister's version. 
Okay, because you could have made the sisters the battalion and done all that. Yeah, yeah, but I needed the guard warlord for the full payload manticore. True, true. There's so many just rules to this imperial. There, there's a lot of layers to this one. So then we finished out with nine mortifiers. All right, where Ooh, we actually don't finish it out. There is more. Oh, there's more. There is a unit of retributors with uh, four multi-meltas and two cherubs and a rhino. Another rhino? Or is that the it's same? Just the same, the same first rhino. rhino. Okay. So a unit of multi-melta retributors. Those are awesome. Uh, they also are miracle dice uh, consumers, to say the least. So I guess that's another point in the favor of the miracle dice canvas. Mm -hmm. um, are they going to flank typically, or are they just going to wander about? Um, I'm usually content wandering them about and just popping out when I need to. Again, you know, I, I always can outflank as necessary. Um, I'd be more than happy to leave if, you know, if I need to, I could leave like this special weapon team plasma squads on the table because they're, they're very cheap, but they're not that valuable. If my opponent wants to shoot indirect at them, there's a couple las gunners to soak it up if it's little stuff. And if they put a giant big gun into it, I really don't care. Um, so there's a little bit, there's different layers to what I can do. Um, there's a lot of low power level stuff, so it's very easy for me to flex what I'm going to put, you know, in and out. And also, usually my manticores are going to shoot whatever indirect fire they have first. So, um, you know, like something like Hiveguard, for example, manticores are just absolutely bomb at killing Hiveguard. Um, and it's always going to change my opponent, but it, I wanted another threat that could be protected until it was time to come out. And once it came out, it could come out, do way more than its value and damage. And then I'm okay losing it. You know, once it comes yeah. out, pops all the cherubs, burns all my miracle dice, it will probably die. And I kind of accept that at this point. Yeah, gotcha. but they've, they've probably absolutely hammered something yeah. that's big and nasty in front of you, right? Absolutely. They, they really do. They're very high damage. Um, th This is actually a recent addition to the list. This was kind of in case of damage reduction. You know, we see things like Death Guard coming up, uh, Plasma Guns and Heavy Bolters. And Repentia present a lot of damage too, and it's mass damage too. There's a weight of it, so I, I'm frankly confident that if there's a Plague Marine squad in front of me, I can kill that without having to commit anything big. Um, but in the event that there is something big like a Telamon Dreadnought that's minus one damage that just needs to go down, I wanted to have something a little heavier than a than a Bolter. Uh, to yeah, you want to have some actual firepower and plasma guns. While they're good, there is minus one damage out and about in this edition, so they're only so good. Exactly. I didn't want to rely on them. They're just very cheap and efficient. I just didn't want to. Yeah. Actually, your whole army pretty much functions at damage, too. The heavy bolters on the mortifiers, the repentia, all the yeah. plasma. That's a exactly. lot of a lot of damage, lot. too, which, by the way, is, you know, really good at killing Marines. Maybe not so great against killing orcs, right? But you know. oh, Yeah, well, that's where the mortifiers come in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they also have 15 attacks per model, and John's got nine of them. So. Oh, my goodness. They have 15 attacks per model? Oh, yes, they do. They have uh, chain flails, or uh, razor flails, penitent flails. Penitent flails, I think the name is. Um, each mortifier in close combat is 15 attacks, weapon skill 3, strength 6, AP 2. Damage 1. And they can advance and charge for the cost of 1 CP. Yeah, so that's your anti-orcs right there. Anti-orcs right there. I mean, that's anti a lot of stuff. It's anti a lot of stuff. <laughs> that's anti a lot of stuff. Let's look at your army now from more of a... Oh, well, let me ask this question. Is there more? <laughs> Nope, that is every unit in the army. That, we that's there. it. Okay, we did it. 34 minutes into the episode. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. So but the next question I have is let's look at your army from more of a, like a mission perspective. You can obviously 
have lots of junk to move up and contest and score objectives and force opponents to kind of act to get you off of objectives. But you have very little in the way of OPSEC and against Marines who just rights of war is a broken warlord trait, or custodies or harlequins who throw OPSEC everywhere, Necrons throw OPSEC everywhere. You know, primary is all about OPSEC. So does that concern you at all? Um, frankly, not that much. Um, I have a lot of big bodies, and I can kind of just take an objective, fill it up, and not let anything get in range of it. And I'm more looking at... Um, so from the purpose of primary, I do have a few OPSEC units like the Guardsmen who, frankly... I would like the guardsmen to stay as far back as possible so that I can move move them later. They don't the guardsmen don't exist as just stepping in front of the army to be a screen for a turn. That, that's not really why they're there. They're there to be the core of an objective where they're gonna ball up in the center of it and I'm gonna wrap it in man in tanks and mortifiers and you know random stuff because as you make know, the guard super of, hard to get to, so your yeah. obsec stays alive. The obsec stays alive. And again, there's a lot of deterrent from people coming towards me. Where yes, manticores suck to be anywhere on the table from but the closer you get the more things you start getting hit with you know repentia and mortifiers if and if someone is sending something serious enough to knock me off an objective i'm almost certainly going to scoop it up in return and no i think between all the layers of this army the number of powerful close combat units you have and the screens you have it's the way you beat this is not running charge of the light brigade into mortifiers and repentia it's I think that the challenging thing for you, which not every army can muster, mind you, this is just how to beat this list, I think would be if someone could just straight up outshoot you. Like, keep you out range with screens, like infiltrators, or just a variety of small crappy units like Admech ponies. Eat the manacores, it'll suck, but just eat them, and then outshoot the mortifiers, because they're not hard to kill. And two heavy bolters for 60 points isn't bad firepower, but it's not really going to be a true gunline. Yeah, um, this is a lot of firepower, but I'm not going to claim it's, you know, it's not a pure leaf blower. Um, what I'm actually counting on, frankly, is the fact that almost no army in the game right now that's being competitively viable is actually going for pure firepower. Got um, it. So it's, so in that regard, you acknowledge it's a weakness. It's just you're playing the meta on that one. I, I'm playing guess, the meta on this. Like, if I, I went second against pure Imperial Guard, I might actually lose to that. Um, I guess I guess that's true, right? There There isn't really... You know, the old school... Uh, well, you know, you know, people always said last edition was the was a shooting edition, and this is not. No one is calling this one a shooting edition. Right. Um, and so what secondaries have you designed your list to be really good at? Because, I mean, any good player will design their list around how they plan on winning the game, which includes scoring points and secondaries, right? And then after that, I'd like to talk about what your plan is on primary in every game, or just in general. Yeah, absolutely. So for secondaries, um, I've really built with two in mind, and that's um, deploy scramblers and engage on all fronts with so many units, many of them outflanking, many of them you know moving very quickly upfield. Uh, it's not hard for me to put a unit here, a unit there, and you know just start scooping up points. Um, as well, um, engaging scramblers again. I have you know potentially seven units outflanking. Um, I have infantry that stay in my backfield. I have the scions, which will deep strike in addition to. Um, all of the things that are outflanking for free, it's very easy for me to just get a small, you know, a couple of 25 millimeter bases into the corner of your deployment zone here and no man's land there, my deployment zone here. Um, and more specifically, I like deploy scramblers because it often makes my opponent screen. And while I'm kind of doing that anyway, making them fill out a deployment zone is not the same thing as screening their army out. And the more they spread out, the more likely that direct fire guns have things to do with their life. And that's, again, very, very dangerous for my opponent. Mm -hmm. 
this is also, I guess, a bit vulnerable to not right now. It's not very common or, or really realistic, but theoretically, there have been functionally unkillable stuff in the game before. You know, the Breviathan, the uh, Pox Walkers, two up rerollable stuff. So the game finds its way into having unkillable stuff. And this army is predicated on I'm going to kill you because I'm really efficient. So. If the really really hard to stop object meets the actual immovable object, do you think that's just a hard counter? Um, it would definitely not be great um, if something like that emerges where there's you know maybe Death Guard. We don't at the time of recording we don't really know the full rules for Death Guard yet. Maybe if something emerges in Death Guard that would make me change my mind. But at the end of the day, you know the most common approach to there's a super good unit is put units everywhere else, and there is a lot of units. I, I would be confident, you know, if I play against. Um, you know, whatever I play against, I'd be confident in my ability to kill other things, you know, because it's very hard to hide from my army. So I'd try to be able to pick off, you know, the supporting cast, you know, the troops holding objectives, all of the little things that I could in the hopes that that would, you know, that would let me let me do my job. Um, yeah, I guess my example that was going to be like the closest thing would be 10 paladins and granites shooting through a wall. They could eat a mana course over and over and over, especially with apothecary healing and giving six of feeling pains. And um, then... Well, the granite yeah. apothecaries don't do that. Oh, that's but, true. Um, they, they're they're old. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean the plan at that point is again going to be remove, just kill everything else. Yeah, kill everything else. Um, also, well, also, he's going to get around the wall with plasma. At yeah, some point, it, right? at some point, I'll get around the wall. Also, the range is a factor where you know. Well, I, I don't know if you ever do get around the wall. Not to. I may not. Um, the point. Just because, like, you're going to have flank, you're going to kill some strikes or whatever, and then. I'm going to astrally and pick up every plasma gun in your army. <laughs> that, that's fine. I honestly yeah. don't need to. Um, but against, uh, you know, it, it's always a case by case, but the, the general plan without, you know, seeing a table in front of me is kill everything else, spread stuff around. They won't kill all of it. That's the faith. And also I can usually try to outrange those units. Um, you know, mortifiers are actually quite quick. They move nine inches. Um, so I can stay away from a paladin star. I can throw out enough cheap stuff to stop gate. For a couple of turns while I try to score things. Manticores are good at picking up uh, you know, Marines in general. Um, if it's a paladin squad and a lot of other stuff, the goal is to kill the other stuff as fast as possible. Let that paladin star do it at once. The paladin star will probably not get a hundred. That makes perfect sense. And I didn't want to I don't want to delay this one with matchups. That's really for part two. But also, I was just thinking as an example of the unkillable unit. Of course. Because of the short range on paladins, relatively short range, like if they're if they're being relevant with them, then they become vulnerable to repentia charges. Is that true? Feels that, like yeah, it's true because Definitely they can shoot one thing out of line of sight with Astrolame. So if they pop the Rhino, the repentia will just come get them. And because repentia do have a one CP stratum to reroll wounds against psychers, I would accept that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, would accept. They would even be more killy than usual. Um, one thing that just sort of occurred to me also is because you're able to just put your army across the entire board. You're probably pretty good on primary, right? Because you know your opponent's going to have to pick where they're trying to pick you off of. They're not going to be able to just wipe you out. And if they can, you're you're not playing yeah, that way. That's kind of the goal. Is that um, I think that there are a lot of th this is built to beat a very specific kind of army, and that's the hyper powerful elite armies that can score very good secondaries and primaries by themselves and not do anything and interact with you. And those ones range around a couple of objectives, just murdering everything in their path. I'm looking at White Scars, Necrons, um, you know, those, that very specific type of build. A lot of Sisters Armies, too, control a lot of, just a a lot of Sisters Armies do that, too. 
where they just yeah. try to control a few objectives, get a solid primary, and you know just proceed through the game without people people being able to stop them. This is built to beat that by spreading units onto every objective possible, putting death from literally every angle and also indirect, and then having a couple close combat units to go range out and deal with people who try to also spread the board. It sounds like you've really thought through the problems in the meta, what the top armies are doing, what they have in common, and then come up with a plan for beating it. So when someone says White Scar Sisters and Necrons are good armies, you took that as like, what do they have in common? What makes them good armies besides from their unique rules, of course? And then you tried to find uh, a counter to that. Is that kind of how you approached it? Absolutely. This army is what I like to call build for the best, outplay the rest. Where, you know, I'm trying to take this army to beat what I think the other good players will be taking. Um, again, you know, you mentioned that this might lose to a pure gun line. And I mentioned it, you know, if I went second against 2,000 points of shooting Imperial Guard, I genuinely might just lose that game. But I'm kind of going to count on the fact that if I play against Imperial Guard, pure Imperial Guard, it's probably not going to be a player of equal skill to me. Even Brandon Grant is not playing pure Imperial Guard right now. And... um I would just try to outplay them. And if I go up against, you know, someone an equal skill player, you know, I consider myself decent at the game. Um, they're going they may be playing something like Harlequin Sisters, Necrons, White's cars. And then I'm like, all right, well, I've got the tools. Let's see if I can get it done. Yeah. That makes sense. This is the same philosophy pretty much every top contender uses. Like if you think about every theoretical build that could exist in 40k, you can't stop it. It's not realistically plausible to beat the biggest smashy monster knight army you possibly can while simultaneously killing 600 models. Mm -hmm. Like There's just not a way to do that. So yeah, you kind of have to pick and choose your side of the spectrum and really plan and not playing the rest of it to a degree. Yeah, I love the approach. That, that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do. All right, so... Uh, well, go ahead, John. Okay, well, I was just going to point out um, your design philosophy to beat Marines. You can see it in the, in the damage profiles of all the weapons that you've chosen. And the your sort of overall game plan and, and sort of forcing them to play the game with you because you're going to be all over the board. Like you're kind of taking the initiative away from the Marine player and saying, look, you're not going to hide in your corner. Otherwise I'm just, I'm, I'm going to destroy you in this game on points. Right. Um, so I think that's, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, and I think, I think it, it's really informative to think about like, this is sort of a different strategy than we talk about very often, which is a lot of interchangeable pieces that you don't care about. There isn't one thing in this army that you care if it gets killed that I can, maybe the manacores, that's about the only thing. And they're the easiest to hide because they're in direct fire, right? My last question, I guess, is there, um, were there any other types of allies? Like this is Imperial soup. You have so much options here. Anything you think would fit this well? Yeah. Um, I think that the guard element is actually the most important part, where um, the manticores and the plasma are just so good into killing marines, you just have significant problems. Yeah, I'd agree. I also think manticores are the most useful in direct fire for the meta right now. Absolutely. Um, I really like mortifiers as being a not tough, but not casually removed center unit that has good firepower, good melee. Um, I think that you could take this guard detachment and bolt it onto a lot of different armies. Uh, frankly, I think you could bolt it onto six space wolf dreadnoughts with an obset character that gives them cover um and just have you know some way to stop the opponent from wanting to get anywhere near the center of the board not easy to kill stuff in the middle and really good close combat that stops people from getting to the manticores while having outflanking you know little chaff units that go around spread the board get you all the points 
uh, kill Marines efficiently and then direct fire that hammers them. Uh, you can do the without same thing with custodians. Yeah, without completely rewriting the wheel here, I question if your army is better off being guard and admech instead of guard and sisters. And I only say that because Electro Priest kind of fit the role of countercharge unit a bit more naturally than like Repension Mortifiers, just because they can get that uh, sweet, sweet two up in after killing something. So they can really be a center linebacker deterring people from coming near you while you're getting probably better shooting than Mortifiers out of admech. Yeah, um, frankly, the points. Aren't uh don't work out as cleanly as you would imagine with Admech. Um, as good as Admech are, Admech are a great army. Um, I don't think that they bring the kind of profile that I want, and especially I don't trust Elector Priests because as good as they are, Repentia are a lot cleaner because Elector Priests their their AP is only so so, and sometimes you hit two up armor Marines. They're only two attacks each. You know, Repentia can be four. Repentia don't fail charges, or at least I know if I'm taking a risk beforehand and I know if I'm out of passing it beforehand. Uh, Electro Priest fail charges. They don't have the same threat range. Um, I just find that the sisters are a little more reliable with the amount that I'm investing in them. It's also the more to the style of your army. Like, Admech Electro Priest would try to kill something, then spend CP, then stick around and live their life. And Repentia are a fire and forget it kind of unit, and that's what your army's made of. Yeah, and you know the Repentia do the fire and forget part a little better. Obviously, the the priests may actually stick around, but that requires spending command points, which I'm not really doing with this list. I don't have a ton of CP, uh, and it's also just they don't fire as well because they they don't fire as well, and they're harder to forget. Yes. All right. Well, let's. I think we've 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 sort of broken down the list really well. Nick, is there anything else you want to talk about, or do you want to get to the discussion on how you play? I'm here for part two. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm down for that, too. How about you, John? All right, let's uh, break for part two. Okay, everyone. This is the part of the podcast where we tell you about our Patreon or actually where we'd rather have you go, which is theartofwar40k.com, where you can sign up for the podcast and get the second episode. Uh, As always, we, we always try to make sure that the first episode is very informative and stands alone on its own. And then the second episode is the episode where we talk about matchups. So you can think about the first episode as what's in the list and why it's there. And you can think of the second episode is how do I play the list optimally against this particular opponent or this particular style of list? Uh, that's a really interesting discussion. So also on our website, if you listen to the down under part of our podcast, in addition to this one, you can get a bundle package deal where you get both the Art of War Down Under and the regular Art of War podcast for 10 bucks instead of 12 total. So you get to save two bucks going to our website. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. uh-huh. All right, well, we'll let Nick continue to shill if he wants, I guess. Uh, anyway, thank you, everyone, for you know turning into another episode of the Art of War podcast. We're excited to have you here. Uh, for everyone, we'll see you next week. For our patrons, we'll see you in a couple minutes. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at aow40k.com where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect. connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time. <laughs>